Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. What are you What are you singing? Rocky? No, I'm doing the opening theme song. Oh, that's that's our theme song. Okay. <laughs> no, you get it. Okay, let me do it again. Boom boom. Hi, I'm April and I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Shook, a podcast where we Tune into scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears. But in a fun way. Let's play the first story. This one was sent in by Marley L. And I think we're all cursed now. So, hope you like it. This story takes place my freshman year of high school. Back in high school, me and my best friend, Kimberly, were less into normal teenage girl things like One Direction. Instead of crushing over Harry Styles, we fawned over Zach Baggins. We were into seances, hanging out in graveyards at night, and Ouija boards. You know, typical 13-year-old girl stuff. Kimberly's house was a bit scary. The cold concrete basement was a hotspot for our Ouija endeavors. We started off on YouTube to learn proper Ouija etiquette. We made our own board out of a spare piece of cardboard, a Sharpie, and a quarter as a planchette. We tried it a few times at Kimberly's house to no effect. Finally, I was able to afford a $20 glow-in-the-dark Hasbro Ouija board from Barnes & Noble. I surprised Kimberly with it and suggested we try it out at my grandma's house in the basement. We had a sleepover the night before to plot our seance. I suggested we conduct it the next morning because, truthfully, I was a little scared of what might happen at night. 
Morning rolls around and we set up the board in the middle of the basement. We blacked out all the windows and lit two tall red candles on either side of the board. We asked a few questions, but began to feel like we'd never get a reaction. In my head, I decided that it must be because we have an even number of candles. So I blew one out, took a deep breath, and began again. Is someone here with us? The planchette immediately scrapes across the board to yes. We glanced up at each other and then back down at the board. I remembered one of the questions you're supposed to ask is, are you of the sun or the moon? Sun being a good spirit and moon being a bad one. I asked and the planchette slid to the moon symbol. Then, unprovoked, the planchette started rhythmically sliding to four different letters across the board. G, E, M, D. It was four genuinely random letters. This goes on for probably a minute. I worked up the courage to ask, who are you controlling the board through? The planchette slowly slid towards Kimberly. My eyes followed from her hands up to her face. What happened next was straight out of a horror film. Her hair was hanging in front of her face and she smiled eerily back at me, not blinking or moving. It didn't even seem like she was breathing. Her face no longer looked like her face. It was almost like she was looking straight through me. I hardly thanked the spirit for the combo and closed the board. But Kimberly was stuck in this trance-like state. She just stared and smiled, almost like a statue. The only thing I could think to do was grab both of her hands and pretend like I wasn't about to scream, cry, and run away. She was cold. I asked if she wanted to go upstairs, maybe get a snack, or go outside. After a minute of her not responding, I decided I needed a new plan. She was sitting close to the only exit of the basement, so I knew I couldn't make a run for it. I decided to pick up the candle, our only source of light, and slowly stand up. As soon as I reached for it, her eyes darted from me down to the flame. Then for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to blow the candle out. Huge mistake. She whipped her head from the candlestick to me, but this time she looked livid. Actually, that's an understatement. She looked hateful, demonic, truly evil. The closest escape I saw was the bathroom in the corner. I turned and ran for it, got inside and locked the door. Moments later, I heard Kimberly's feet on the hard floor, growing louder as she walked up to the door. I choked out, Kimberly? In response, I heard three deafening knocks at the door. Like the way a police officer knocks on doors. It felt like my heart dropped all the way to my stomach. As tears started to fall down my cheeks, I yelled, I'm not letting you in until I know it's you. Once again, I began to pace around the bathroom, hyperventilating. I heard her feet walk away from the door, then 
silence. I held my breath, trying to listen through the door. I then heard the planchette scratching across the Ouija board. It was rhythmic, hitting the same four spots it was moments ago. I ran to turn on the sink and the shower in an attempt to block out the sound. I didn't have my phone, there were no windows in the bathroom, and no one was in the house except us. All I could think to do was get on my hands and knees and pray to some higher power that I would just make it out unscathed. At some point, I heard Kimberly's feet walk back across the room. I turned off the faucets to listen carefully and heard nothing. As I amped myself up to make a run for it, there were a few soft knocks at the door and a voice. Hey, are you done in the bathroom yet? I opened the door just a crack and Kimberly put her hand through. I touched it. It was warm. To me, that was a sign that whatever the hell was possessing her was gone. I opened the door, walked straight out of the basement and up to the living room. I sat in a corner as far away from Kimberly as possible and started bawling. She asked me what was wrong and I said, do you not remember any of what just happened? Her response was chilling. Yeah, we both stood up, you went to the bathroom and I came into the living room to get my phone. She literally had no memory of knocking on the door or conducting the board by herself. I decided then my only option was to burn and bury the board. She immediately got defensive about my plan and told me that she would take the board home herself and take care of it. But I was insistent and able to get her off my back long enough to go out back and destroy the board. A few weeks passed and Kimberly and I started to drift apart. I was honestly too scared to stay the night at her house after that. A few mutual friends of ours later told me about some scary moments that they also experienced with her. Two of which included her face not looking like her face, just as I had seen that day in the basement. To this day, no one really believes my story, and my family continues to tease me about it. I still don't like to stay the night in other places. And I never go into a basement alone. Spooky. Very spooky. Yeah, I liked that one. Very classic. Yeah, I like this setup. At first I was like, okay, I mean, the friend is messing with her. Yeah, yeah. I still would have not wanted to go sleep over at that friend's house or have that friend sleep over, so. Oh, no, no. Understandable. I, I am curious about the G-E-M-D. Yeah. Like, is it an anagram? G-E-M-D. Um, Goldman Sachs Access Emerging Markets. So There you go. It was trying to give financial advice. <laughs> you fools. <laughs> have you ever used a Ouija board? I have not used a Ouija board. Um, you say Ouija. I know that people say them both ways. Yep. I think Ouija, just, I don't know, it's more exciting to say it that way. <laughs> it's more exciting to say Ouija? <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, I wonder if it's like a regional thing too. I looked this up and... Uh, Either Ouija or Ouija is acceptable. Mm. I think I say Ouija because I'm Italian. Right, like Luigi? Yeah. Got it. <laughs> I just want to point out that uh, April all the time says blah, 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 because I'm Italian, which is very <laughs> satisfying.
I'll never miss a chance. But uh, I never, I never used a Ouija board, and that was something that my mom did not entertain, or my parents really. But my mom was like the most adamant about being very anti macabre, anti horror, anti like anything dark. Boy, she must be disappointed in how you turned out. <laughs> yeah. She has come around to it more. Yeah. She she understands my dark soul, I think, at this point. <laughs> but one year from my birthday, one of my friends, oh, the friend who had the 24-hour horror movie marathon going on in her house all the time, one year from my birthday, she got me a Ouija board. That adds up. And I didn't open it until after my party, opened it. My mom saw what it was. She took it from me, handed it to my dad and said, take this outside and throw it in the trash. Wow. Yep. Later found out it was a re-gift. So. Interesting. <laughs> what about you? I have a different experience. <laughs> um, when I was younger, I was obsessed with Ouija boards mm. and I didn't really knew- know what they were, but I would make them all the time. <laughs> So I would take a piece of cardboard mm-hmm. and then I would use Elmer glue stick and cover it with like colored paper. And then I would make my own board and then I would make a planchette by putting felt on the back of a piece of cardstock. And then I would just sit at the <laughs> kitchen table and like move my fingers around. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that I'd seen it on TV or in movies. Uh-huh. And I was like, I want one of those. Mm. Those look cool. And I don't think my parents knew what I was doing. Did this they is... ever witness it? Oh, yeah. For sure they were in the kitchen like, Meredith's making little crafts. But I was just making my own little Ouija boards. <laughs> like, I'm just making my shrine to the Dark Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I would only ever do it alone. You know that's breaking one of, like, the cardinal rules of doing a Ouija board. I certainly did not know that. <laughs> what do you mean? What's the cardinal rule of using a Ouija board? Yeah, so there's supposed to be proper Ouija board etiquette. I've looked it up in the past. And number one usually is never use the Ouija board alone. Whoops. Um, because you leave yourself more vulnerable to an evil spirit coming through. Great. I guess. <laughs> Strike one for me. So I just pulled up a bookmark from uh, Thought Catalog and Cult of Weird. Do you want to hear more rules? Lay it on me. Teach me. Another rule. Never do it in a graveyard. That makes sense. Yeah, I would not be interested in that. Some of these are so funny because it's like, never insert terrible idea here, you know? <laughs> it's like, for example, never ask when you will die. I could have possibly broken that one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know then? No, I didn't get a definitive on that. Ooh, another one that I actually find super creepy. If it starts to count down, immediately end the session and say goodbye because that's a sign of like an evil spirit. Ooh. Attempting to appear. Yeah. Isn't that creepy? That's a creepy one. I will say that's a creepy one. one. The other one is, actually, this is interesting. Never leave the planchette on the board. Mm. Because apparently it could like leave a window open to the other side or something. I broke that one. I broke that one constantly. And if it demonstrates a figure eight with the planchette, also check out immediately. Yeah, I broke that one. I knew it. (laughs) I think that's exclusively what I did. <laughs> and always say goodbye. You definitely did not. I definitely listen didn't to that do one that. Either. I definitely didn't do that. 
there's a pattern here. <laughs> I was reckless. <laughs> Playing fast and loose with the spirit world. <laughs> yeah. Can someone let me know if I'm okay? Am I good? No. <laughs> And now a word from our sponsors. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Let's tune in to another story. This happened when I was five years old. My mom took me to the supermarket with her one day, and I was still small enough to ride in the shopping cart. At one point, she was surveying the shelves, and I remember locking eyes with a woman several feet away from us. I don't remember much about the way she looked. In fact, I can't recall what she looked like at all. And apparently, she just blended right in because no one else seemed to notice her. What I do remember is that I didn't like the way she was looking at me. It was too intense, and she looked pleased. Like she was glad she got my attention or something. I quickly glanced away and looked at my mother who was apparently oblivious to this woman. She grabbed what she was looking for, threw it in the cart, and wheeled me away, much to my relief. But the woman watched us the entire way down the aisle, until we turned the corner and were out of sight. My five-year-old brain quickly forgot the woman and went back to trying to convince my mom to put one sugary snack or another in the shopping cart. We wrapped up in one aisle, and my mom started pushing the cart from the opposite end which meant I was facing forward as we rounded the corner into the next aisle. And as we rounded this corner, I saw her again, standing in the aisle, awaiting us. At the age of five, this seemed impossible. I looked back at my mom, who again, barely paid this lady any mind, and then back at the woman, who stared at me with that same expression on her face, way too pleased way too intense. 
At this point, I was about ready for my mom to finish up. I whined a bit and she told me she was almost done. She pushed us past the woman and to the end of the aisle. And all the while, I kept looking back and forth between her and the woman, wondering why my mom didn't notice the way this lady was staring at us. She turned her head to watch us pass, never breaking eye contact. I don't know if I ever saw her blink. That's how intense she was. I was so transfixed that I hadn't even noticed that the shopping cart had stopped, when suddenly it lurched backward. I looked behind me, expecting that my mom had grabbed it, but she wasn't there. I was suddenly alone in the aisle with that lady. I panicked and yelled for my mom, and to my relief, she poked her head around the corner. She had just stepped out of sight to grab something from the end cap of the aisle, but I was visibly upset and she noticed. I probably got some fruit snacks out of that. We finally made it to check out without another scary lady sighting. But just as my mom went to pay, I saw her coming our way. She appeared to be walking toward the exit, but the whole time, she kept her stare fixed on me. I managed to pull my eyes away from hers long enough to see her subtly drop something into one of our grocery bags. I quickly looked back up, only for my eyes to meet her back as she exited the store. I tried to get my mom's attention, but of course, she told me to wait while she paid. The bags were loaded into the cart, and I kept one eye on the one with the mysterious offering inside of it. I tried to stop my mom as she pushed the cart toward the exit, then out the door and toward our car, but she kept telling me to wait. Just let her load everything into the car and we could go home. I finally yelled in frustration, so she took notice and stopped in the middle of the parking lot. I finally blurted out that there was a woman following us around the store this entire time and that she had put something in one of our grocery bags. I'm not sure my mom fully believed me at that moment, but I think that what I said was concerning enough that she humored me. She asked me to point out the offending bag and then proceeded to search through it. After shifting a few things around, she pulled out a ball of tinfoil. I know that doesn't sound very sinister. I think we were both confused. I reached for it and my mom snatched it away, telling me not to touch it. It was heavy, she said, and it felt warm. She walked us over to the garbage can and threw it in then looked through the rest of the bags right there. No more tinfoil balls. Honestly, it was just very weird. I have no idea what was in the ball of tinfoil, but what I thought then, and what I still think now, is that that woman believed she was marking us in some way. Maybe she believed herself to be some sort of witch. She could have simply been a somewhat disturbed woman, menacing a young child at the grocery store but I'll never forget the way she looked at me. I know I was only five, and I could be dramatizing things a bit, but it just looked unnatural. And I was the only one who could see it. So the supermarket witch. Yeah. Wonder what was in that ball of tinfoil. Yeah. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. Even if it was just like, I mean, my mind immediately went to leftovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if someone unsolicited put their leftovers <laughs> anywhere near me, yeah. they don't even need to be a witch. 
That's a red flag. Right. An unmarked leftover. It could have been a rice ball. I love rice balls because I'm Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Thanks for reminding us. Anytime. It also could have been a heart. Yeah, it could have been an organ. I was also like, could be some fingers. An eyeball or two. Some fresh fingers. Maybe that is her leftovers. Yeah. Do you think you would have looked inside the tinfoil? No. I 100% would have. Really? I 100% would have looked inside the tinfoil. And that is why I would survive the horror movie. (laughs) But I would have had a little snack for the ride home. Fair point. Good counterpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The spider just came down. No. Oh, God, it's there. (gasps) So for anyone who doesn't know. This is a real life situation right now. This is a real life. This is a real life horror movie right now. There is a, a spider um, that has been in, in the crevice of my ceiling this entire time, and I've been looking up at it, Ugh. and I just, out of the corner of my eye, saw it come down on a web, and now uh-huh. it's sitting behind my computer, um, just awaiting our uh, inevitable face-off. Anyway, <laughs> I'm uh, panicking, so maybe we uh, Yeah, let's cut here. Let's cut here. Cut. Okay. All right. <laughs> Oh, would you look at that? It's ad time. Um, okay, so now... Spider update. There is a pile, a shred pile below my desk, and it has escaped into that. Oh, it's a to shred pile. Now I can never shred this pile of papers. I, yeah, this is a lost cause here. And now time to inch ever closer to that singularity. It's ChatGPT Adventures. Write a scary story set at a haunted maze. Um, Include a breakfast burrito <laughs> include a breakfast burrito can you can you put a churro in there please and a churro i'm gonna have a pistachio <laughs> include the word cantankerous and hullabaloo hullabaloo include a love story end with a bittersweet ending make it sarcastically funny let's challenge it maybe like by challenging it we're making it stronger yeah, yeah, feeding the beast. Yeah, slippery slope. Include opportunities for sound effects. Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Once upon a time, in a small town, there was a haunted maze. The locals were terrified of it because anyone who entered never came back. But one couple, Jack and Jill, decided to brave the maze together. They woke up early and had breakfast burritos before heading out. <laughs> the burritos were so good that they felt invincible. They arrived at the maze, bought tickets, and stepped inside. As soon as they entered the maze, the atmosphere changed. 
It was silent except for the sound of their footsteps on the crunchy leaves. Suddenly, a cantankerous sound echoed through the maze, and the couple froze. Mm. Did you hear that? Jill asked, clutching Jack's arm. I heard it too. Let's keep going, Jack replied, trying to sound brave. Nice. As they walked deeper into the maze, they saw a churro stand. They were surprised (laughs) that someone had set up a stall in the middle of a haunted maze. But before they could approach, they heard a loud hullabaloo and saw something moving in the shadows. It was a pack of cats, their eyes glowing in the dark. The cats started to surround them, and Jack and Jill knew they had to move quickly. They ran, but the maze seemed to be changing. The walls were closing in, and the path was getting narrower. Somebody watched Harry Potter. (laughs) The couple was trapped, and the cats were closing in. But in that moment, Jack realized that he loved Jill. He held her close and whispered, I love you. The butt is very key here. (laughs) He held her close and whispered, I love you. Jill's eyes filled with tears as she replied, I love you too. And then a bright light appeared and the couple found themselves back at the entrance of the maze. They looked at each other in disbelief, wondering how they made it out alive. They decided to leave and never return to the haunted maze. But as they walked away, they couldn't shake the feeling that they had left something behind. Years passed. Oh, I love this. (laughs) The passage of time. Time jump. Oh, my God. Mm. Years passed and the couple got married and had children. They grew old together and their love for each other never faded. But they never forgot about the haunted maze and the cats that had surrounded them. One day, Jack passed away. Uh-huh. That's what happens one day. Oh my God. <laughs> one day, Jack passed away and Jill was heartbroken. As she sat alone in her room, she heard a cantankerous sound. No, no. I have to look that up now because I'm like, could it be used that way? No one would ever say a cantankerous sound. It's like a cantankerous Good sentence, Meredith. <laughs> Difficult or irritating to yeah. deal with. I guess it would be irritating. To- like a cantankerous old man. You yeah, know? no, it's wrong. But uh, to be fair, you did say just use the word. You didn't say use it properly. That's true. <laughs> They're like, here it is twice. Um, a cantankerous sound coming from outside. She looked out the window and saw a group of cats, their eyes glowing in the dark. As she watched them, she realized that the cats were a symbol of her love for Jack. They had been there in the maze and they were here now to remind her of the love that had lasted a lifetime. It was a bittersweet ending. (laughs) Okay. Wow. I love all the signaling. It feels very pointed. They're like, do you like it? Uh It was a bittersweet ending, but Jill smiled through her tears, knowing that Jack was still with her in spirit. And as the cats meowed in the night, she couldn't help but feel grateful for the love they had shared. The The end. They titled this one French Recipe Suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the sarcastically funny part? That's that's really funny, actually. That's my favorite part of the story. The title. Um, What did they leave behind (laughs) in the maze? Like what a mistake. And then they then years later, I thought they were going to talk about they had to go back in instead. Yeah, Yeah, nothing. So we will be turning over this podcast to Chat GPT indefinitely. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. They're smart. They are smart. Like, it knew. It anticipated my movements every time. There's a lot of spiders here. Yep. No one told me that. (laughs) I've never walked into so many webs in my life. I can't find it. It's just trying to get in on spooky season. Now it it just lives here. You going to pay rent, bitch? (laughs) 
Just what you needed, another roommate. Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook. <laughs>